Today I'm joined by Great Britain, Scotland team member for uh, cross country, Jamie Crow. Came on my radar because he recently had a triple win at the Balmoral weekend <laughs> where he won 5k, 10k and 15 miler all at once. So Jamie, how about you start with how did you get into running? Uh, so my, my, my dad's a quite a well-known uh, hill runner in the Scottish scene um, and he ran for a club in, in Glasgow and Shettleston and I was brought up in, in that area so when he was going to races over in like Arran or up north or um, any kind of Scottish champs, British champs hill races I was kind of always dragged, dragged along to them. Uh, so kind of got a taste of it doing maybe junior hill races, uh, seen a bit of success and it, always when you're good at something when you're young you always want to kind of pursue it so yep. took me down to Shettleston, ran the, the Christmas handicap and I think I won it and then so I was kind of hooked from there so then moved up to Dundee and joined the Hawks and just continued from there really and uh, yeah still doing it. So what's your, what's your dad's name? Um, Dad's name is Des, Des Crow. Des Crow, and do you think he was the biggest influence on you? Uh, probably, because I'm, I'm watching him every weekend. Uh, I was I was more into like rugby, football when I was younger. I I just seen running as something to do when I was away at these races, so watching him uh, running these big events kind of yeah, um, gets you excited for maybe doing it when you're a bit older. Uh, and he, he used to do quite well, he ran for Scotland and stuff. At the World Cup, uh, mountain stuff. So, because he was successful, it kind of drives you to try and beat him. And definitely, when I was about 14, 13, 14, that was the main aim was to beat my beat my dad at a hill race. So, so what what age were you before you you beat him in your? I think uh, I just can't remember. It was in a hill race in Dundee. We've uh, got the Siglaws in Dundee, and he, he did. He said to me, "If I'm with him at the top, he would let me win." Which I'm not having. I think I was having them anyway. Uh, so I managed to stay with him to the top, and then he said he let me win. But uh, and I can't really remember the next time I were proper beat him. But we used to race a lot together, uh, and used to run a lot together as well. He doesn't run as much now. Uh, just old age, I think. Uh, but yeah, we used to do quite a lot of races together. And I can't remember the time I just I started consistently beating him. But that was definitely a happy day when I first got the first one over him. But those days are. Are past now. You beat them consistently. Yeah, but like um, kind of in the track, road, and cross country world, he he gets people coming up asking him if he's Jamie Crow's dad. <laughs> but still in the hill running mountain world, everyone knows me as uh, Des's son. So he still got that over me, <laughs> which is a bit annoying. What What do you think you have to do to turn that around? I don't know. I've, I've not I've not done much mountain stuff. So that's the plan this year is to do mountain stuff. So uh, hopefully with a wee bit more success on the hills that I can get people coming up to him asking if he's <laughs> Jamie Crow's dad uh, rather than I'm Jamie Crow's, um, Des Crow's son. I, I noticed you were going for the, is it the World Trail and the Mountain Running Championships? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, um, so the trial was on Sunday this weekend. Um, there's an uphill only trial on the Friday, which I'm, I'm not doing, and there's an up and down one on the Sunday. What does that involve? 
so it's 14k uh, down in, in Sedborough, kind of Yorkshire Dales, uh, and it's two laps with 760 metres climbing. Uh, two lap course. It's fairly runnable. I went over the route, um, so now to be quite excited. It's a pretty tough field, and it's a completely new sport. Like hill running compared to like any sort of flat running, it's totally different. And uh, I don't know how the transition will go, but hopefully it'll be okay. So you said you've done mountain running, trail running, cross country, track. Yeah, yeah. What would you say that your speciality is in, or is it just a uh, jack of all trades? Master of none. And probably cross country. Cross country is probably where I've had most of my success. Um, Track, I could never track. I had quite unlucky breaks, like with COVID and stuff. But I could never like click. Never seemed to run well on the track. Um, road, I've had a good few good results on the road, but again, it doesn't really like excite me as much. Um, cross country, I think just cross country, hill run, hill running, road. Sometimes it's like you're not focused on a time. You're just racing. Yeah, and that's my kind of favorite type of racing, where it's just doesn't matter what. The clock's doing. Um, you're racing the guy next to you, and uh, if you beat him by thirty seconds, it's a good result. But it doesn't matter what your finish time is. Uh, so that's why I think cross country I've been quite successful. In. What What would you say? What would you? How would you define cross country? Hard. <laughs> um, it's running of over all terrains with kind of mixed ability. When I say mixed ability, I mean like. You can have and a national cross is great for this. You can have um, the national fifteen hundred meter champion racing the national five k champion racing the national ten miler champion racing the national mountain running champion, and they're all in the same race, and they're not chasing the time; they're just racing each other. So it brings like cross country brings all disciplines uh, together uh, just for that one off race, and it's over everything: grass, mud, um pass hills flat sand sometimes it's a mixture of everything basically everything you you run over day to day in a so race. is it is it like hill running without the hills or not as big a hills so so it's kind of it's like it's like road running it's like all of them together it's, it's all of them put into like one race um you have like some cross countries are rapids so like i've raced in the states for a couple of years and they were basically road races on grass um, but then when you come back to Scotland, they're like flatter hill races, like you say. Like each course is so different as well. So like National Cross is quite a tough course, but then you go and race in um, Edinburgh when they used to do the inner districts there. That was quite flat, so it's good for like the faster guys. Each course like suits different runners as well, which is which is exciting about it. You said you were in the States. What were you doing over there? Uh, yeah, so I did a master's. I got a scholarship out there after uni here. Um, did four years at Sterling and then got offered a scholarship out in Texas. Uh, and it was quite quite a lot of Scots do it just now. that They go out and do their master's out there. They get to run for two years. Facilities are incredible. Um, the races are incredible. Uh, the course is pretty easy, so you, you're kind of focusing on running mostly it gives you that kind of chance if you're you leave uni and you're you're maybe not full-time running but you still want to can pursue it it gives you that kind of two years to um 
kind of chase that dream of maybe running full time. How how would you say that a race over there differs from a race over here? Um, depth of field, so like maybe the national cross country here or a national kind of road race here, you'd have maybe 15, 20 guys that have ran quick. Um, over there you'd have 200 guys that have ran quick. Um, yeah, so depth of field, organisation of events, like they're a massive deal. Some of the top schools had purpose-built cross-country courses that cost £5 million to put together. Um, so there's a lot of money in it, and the, the depth of fields was pretty wild. I noticed online one of your times, I can't remember which site it was on, was, was it four minutes and... You'll be able to tell me, for, for a mile, what was your time? Uh, um, I've ran 4.05, maybe? 4.05, that's... Yeah. Very close to the infamous four minute mile. Do you yeah, think that's something you would go for again. Uh, I, I was really the the day around four o five. I, I was aiming for it, but I wasn't training for it. Like I'm not a miler. I'm not great over that kind of distance. But uh, I'd done like two or three sessions where I thought, all right, because it's something I really want to do. Um, but I didn't want to just focus on that. I'd still, I think, I had the. I had a 10k the next day after that race actually so that was the main aim but I was just like sprinkling and I thought if I do some fast 400 or something I'd be able to get it so I think I was on for it for like the three laps and the last lap absolutely blew up um, it, it's something I really want to do and, and it's my club that runs that race the Monument Mile in Stirling so it'd be a good place to do it in Stirling as well and maybe I'll maybe go back to it remember over lockdown I actually thought about trying to find the fastest mile in Dundee so like I was just going to run downhill and see if I could run sub four uh, on one of the roads in Dundee. Uh, I never came about. I try to like, get the courier involved and everything. Uh, there's a nice hill down by Nine Wells that could have maybe got it. But Well, if anybody can think of a, a fast hill, and not just Dundee, Scotland, yeah, then yeah. put it in the comments. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Needs to be a mile long. <laughs> oh, um, thinking about that, it, w would you... You're wanting to go back and do the one minute mile. Uh, one minute mile? That'd be, That'd be uh, good, something yeah. else. Four minute mile. Um, out of the things that you have done, what's your biggest running oh, achievement? Um, probably individually wise would be um, probably representing Great Britain at National Cross. Um, had a like unbelievable run at the trial where I was actually at the front of of Liverpool cross country with my teammate Andrew Butcher and just to be at the front of a race like that where there's like loads of people watching you the biggest cross country of the year so just even to qualify on that day was it was really good and then the race itself was the Eurocross was in Dublin and there's honestly about 25,000 people 30,000 people come and watch um on this course that was like immaculate like perfectly built for for Eurocross um yeah, that was a special, special day, and it kind of gave me a taste of, of major competitions. That that's something I want to to go back and do. Um, I also qualified, uh, individually for the NCAA, which is like the big nationals in America. That was a big thing for one for the school I was at, and and for me individually. Probably and probably the last one, like team wise, we've just 
Centrals we just won the twelve stage English uh, road relays down in down in Birmingham. First Scottish club to ever do it. So team wise, like that was that was a I wouldn't say it was a special thirty minutes because we were buzzing for thirty minutes. Like this is the best, and then we had to get in the car for <laughs> for seven hours after. But yeah, so those three are probably standout ones. Good. Um, are any of the races that you've done? Do you need to take on nutrition or liquids during the race? Uh, so I've done. I did London two two years ago. Uh, it was one of the October ones. Uh, and I had to plan my nutrition, gels, and all that sort of stuff, and it was something that I got, I got so wrong, um, and it's probably uh, gave me an eye opener that I'm not ready to do races like that. So I thought I, I'd had um, a kind of bad season on the track, and Commonwealth Games were coming up, and I thought I could run the Commonwealth Standard two fifteen, and from my training, like I definitely I think I could have. Uh, but I got that's what I got wrong. I got the nutrition totally wrong, I, and I did it. In, I sort of did it in training, but I didn't really. I don't really like drinking when I'm when I'm running, uh, even if I'm doing like twenty mile long runs. Like I won't drink anything. I won't take a gel, uh, and I enjoyed the process of like taking the gel and doing the longer sessions. But I, just, I didn't drink at all. So when I came to the marathon, I, I remember being so stressed because I was in the elite hotel and they give you your bottles. You've got to fill your bottles up yourself, put them in a bag. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I was strapping gels to think because all I did was take gels. Uh, did the did the marathon, picked up my bottles, but did not take one single drink. Took just took my gels uh, every ten k, and was even giving my drinks to other people in the group. Uh, there was another Scottish guy that wasn't in the elite, so they don't get your own drinks. So I was giving him my Morton, and then got major cramp at twenty one, twenty two miles, twenty two miles. So I was on for the time uh, till about 22 and then, yeah, majorly cramped. And I remember reading the the gels. There was a guy helping me out with strength and conditioning at the time and he was like, you sure you need to drink water with these gels? And I read the gels and it says, yeah, for them to work, you need to be dehydrated. So if you're running for 20, 22 miles without taking any liquid, these gel, <laughs> the gels aren't going to work. So, yeah, something, it, made, it was an eye-opener, like, Say I'm I'm not ready to like think about that sort of stuff yet. I still just want to race without thinking about other things that could interrupt the race or ruin my race. Um, but it's something I'll go back to. I think. Yeah. I was going to say down in London it's probably warmer than it is up here. But then if you run in Texas, then it's probably a lot warmer over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that last thing like I, we never took on. It used to be really, it was really humid, so you'd go out and like. You'd run eight miles and your shorts would be wet, your watch would be soaking, like you'd be absolutely soaked. But it was something, I mean, we used to get ice towels, which was good. You'd run a lap and you'd always get these trainers that came out and they were like there to look after you and they'd throw an ice towel on you, stuff like that. Um, but it was nothing really, because you're only racing 10k max over there. But uh, I do remember them all being quite surprised that the, the wee Scottish guy was the best in the heat. I don't know, I quite like the heat. It seemed to run quite well in it, um, but yeah, the the nutrition wise, I've not looked into fully yet. Need to work on it. But what about when you're not running? Do you follow any special diet or anything like that? Uh, not not particularly. Like I, I like to call it say that I'm like vegetarian plus. So I'm like veggie. 
us a flexitarian yeah meat sometimes like uh when i first did it just before i went out to the states i went vegan i used to train with a couple of triathletes in sterling you name we went vegan after watching a documentary obviously and uh, went vegan for like three or four months and i think i lost a wee bit of weight and actually ran did a race over in ireland and ran really well i said like, i'm not eating meat again like I, and i seem to get leaner and i don't know if it's just meat that i kind of blow up if i have some meat I, I don't know what it is but um so it's something i've kind of stuck with for that's like five years now six years so like tonight i won't have it like during the week don't really have any meat um lunch time's not having meat breakfast not having meat um but like maybe at the weekend if the the girlfriend wants steak and chips or something i'm, ha- I'm not gonna like say no i'm gonna have something else or if we go out for dinner i'll usually get i've been it's probably better now the options but yeah, I remember going to like a burger place with my girlfriend. She got a normal burger. I got like a mushroom burger, and it was like the worst. This I've watched her watch eat this. So, a bit more. Yeah, like you said, flexitarian, veggie plus plus meat sometimes. Um, but yeah, try to be strict with that during the week, avoiding meat. Um, for performance reasons, probably climate reasons, a wee bit, and I've got some ethical things as well with it. Uh, but I'd like to. Uh, Try and go back full vegetarian, but the missus probably wouldn't have do well with it. So, well, blame her. Yeah, so so hard for. Um, you said you ran in London, but you you normally do cross country. One thing that I've never done London, but one thing that I know of is the crowds. It's constant noise the whole time. I'm guessing cross country is not like that. Does that affect your running? Um. So I, it's hard to, like, because London is an absolute blur. Like, the the crowd are, is good, but I was so stressed of running splits for sub-215 that I honestly didn't take any of it in. And when I was cramping up, if anything, the crowd was doing my head in because <laughs> people were going, oh, it's not that far to go. And it's like, both my hamstrings are about to fall off here. Um, nah, when I raced, like, I totally blank it out. I don't... I, I probably spot it in smaller races where, like down at twelve stage, because it's a team thing, it's quite a, like aggressive, and you because it's a small line of crowd, like crowd, you can pick up what they're saying. Whereas like Dublin cross country Eurocross, like because there's twenty five thirty thousand people there, I'm just hearing noise. Yeah, I'm not really picking anything out. But whereas like national cross country, when it was me and Logan, Rees going in the last lap, you can hear every single voice, so you can hear everything they're saying. And I do love running when it's like half the people are for one guy and half they're, and they're shouting like, oh, you're dropping them. And you can hear everything they're saying, but it's quite aggressive. But I quite like that. Like it makes it quite like a, not a toxic atmosphere, but like that atmosphere of that kind of drives me on. If someone's saying, oh, he looks like he's knackered, you can drop him. That helps me. Um, but nah, the atmosphere, big atmosphere, small atmosphere, it doesn't really affect me that much at all. Um but I know what people say about London, how it's, I'd like to maybe run it where I'm more enjoying it. Yeah. And you take it all in. But when you're kind of up that side of it and you're stressed about making a time for a major champs, it's, it's a total blur. You're not taking any noise in at all. You mentioned earlier briefly that uh, you did strength and conditioning. Yeah. What kind of thing do you do? Do you go to the gym? Do you just, do you, do you stretch after a run? Do you, 
Uh, so, like, I used to be really bad. I'm a really lazy, not a lazy trainer, but I'm like a lazy outside of running. Like, I don't do anything. Um, and so prior to London, so even in the States, like, I didn't go to strength and conditioning stuff. I just I thought, if I run my 100 miles a week, that's me. I'll be, I'll be fit. And I just didn't want to do anything different. Uh, just with injury risk and stuff like that, and so when I was doing London, I kind of my dad's friend, a guy called Pete Fox, who used to be a really good runner, uh, back in the day for the Hawks. He does. He's got strength and conditioning. He's got a gym in his garage, and he offered to help me, uh, leading up to London because I knew my mileage was going to go up. I knew my longer runs were going to go up. Uh, sessions were going to get more intense. So I thought I need to have something. Not to get well to get strong, but also like to prevent injury. So, uh, I would go to his garage and once a week, and go to the gym twice a week, and it would be stuff like, uh, single leg, uh, split squats, some deadlifts, back squats, um, stuff with the bands from the glutes, uh, and like five minutes of core to end it. Uh, whereas now I I had a sacral stress fracture, so that's in my back. Um, so I've not touched any weights for about a year and a bit, and it takes that long for your for the especially in your back before you can start lifting. So maybe after this trial, consider going back in the gym, uh, and going back to Pete and doing stuff like that. Uh, but really simple, like it only took. I've been there for like forty five minutes, split squats, uh, back squat, deadlift, and then what was really good was running like you plateau for like a long time if you're doing like strength conditioning it's like another thing you're chasing pbs like you'd write you had a whiteboard and you'd write what i did the week before and then we're trying up a wee bit and up a wee bit and you could see like you're improving and getting stronger every week which is good because sometimes in running it takes months to see like any sort of improvements for your training uh stretching wise look at my i've got my band in there so i now like got a bit of tendonitis and stuff in my hamstrings probably still from london uh, so I do a wee bit of activation stuff before I run. Well, I try and do it uh, before I go out, especially in the evening. Mornings, sometimes kind of boring. Just get the shoes on and go out. What, yeah. what about after a run? Do you cool down? No, not really. Just nah. get in the car and so, go home. Basically, yeah. Um, and that's probably when my hamstrings are absolutely knackered. But like I've just been for a run before you came and just basically changed clothes and had a drink and that was it. Uh, again, we'd love to do yoga or something like that. I look to do yoga. I just so lazy after running. I just don't want to do anything. So yeah. Do you listen to music podcasts or anything like that during run? Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big podcast, uh, listening listener on runs. Um, for the reason that I like running with other people. So like, if I can run with someone, I'll run with someone. Um, because I find conversational passes the time a lot quicker, but. A lot of my training, because of work and um, kind of group in Dundee, we all work at different times. Uh, do a lot of my runs on my own, so I feel like if I'm listening to a podcast, it feels like I'm in the conversation. Uh, it takes my mind off it. Whereas I'm listening to music, I'll just I don't have the brain to like even know what's. I could come in and I couldn't even tell you what songs I was listening to. Whereas I'm listening to podcasts and kind of engaged in the conversation. And, um, yeah, so that's I basically listen to. Podcast. I've got a wee run and belt worst thing before, so every run I'm basically listening to some sort of podcast. Okay. Um. You said you did about hundred miles a week. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Before before my back injury, um, I was I, I really liked hitting uh, hundred miles a week, ninety to hundred miles a week. Would be my kind of sweet sweet spot. Got up to when I was training for London. Got up to about one hundred and twenty. Um, I think highest I've done is like one hundred and twenty-seven or something. Um, so, yeah. That was over lockdown, over COVID. Double run days or? Yeah, yeah. So well, at the minute I'm only doing about seventy to eighty, probably most around seventy. Uh, just because my back not uh, fully confident of running full mileage yet. Um. So yeah, double, if I'm doing 100, I double quite a lot of the days. Wouldn't double on a Wednesday to do like a medium long run and not double on a Sunday. So the rest of them would be doubles, yeah. Seven days a week? Yeah. Yeah. And what, like you, you're doing about 100 miles a week, you're doing multi-terrain. Is there any particular shoes that you go for? Um. So I, I had a deal with Adidas. Uh, Recently, so a lot of my shoes, I used to wear like you know, anything. Uh, so a lot of my shoes, my Adidas, I didn't actually used to wear Adidas at all. Um, so a lot of shoes, are, my shoes are Adidas. So easy runs, I wear like their kind of supernova, kind of heavy cushion shoes, just for like really easy runs. And then I really like uh, their Bostons for like kind of steadier runs. Um, They've they've got like a small plate in them, I think, but uh, they're just quite re- responsive, and I wear them for like if I want to go out and run a wee bit faster, or like I wear them for my long runs because I like to do my long runs quite steady. You you mentioned a small plate. Do you normally have you run in carbon before or? Yeah, yeah. So like again, because I'm lucky enough to to get shoes from Adidas, I've got carbon shoes like enough to like do my sessions in and a lot of people do their sessions in them and like I've lucky I've not had I think people have had like some injuries from wearing them a lot but um the for me the positives outweigh the negatives of wearing them like my legs one I think you get a physiological effect of running faster so my sessions I'm running faster at an easier heart rate um, and two this like they save your legs massively like the difference of your if I went and did like last night, did eight by K. If I wore my normal flats, I'd probably be like plodding around. Even just as psychological, if somebody says that that's going to make you faster. Oh, it then... makes a massive difference. Yeah. It makes me get out of the door sometimes. Like if I know I'm sticking them shoes on, but oh, that'll get me out. And even if I get a new pair, I'm like, oh, right, I'm going to run faster than it helps you, like kind of motivate yourself to do sessions. You said during London that you didn't get your nutrition right. Is that your biggest ever bonk that you've had? Hitting the wall? No. Uh, uh, no, do you know what? Because I remember I, I was more just, that was more cramp, and I've never cramped like that before. And I remember crossing the line, and I was I was annoyed because I was, like, absolutely fine. I was like, oh, it's so annoying. I'm absolutely, like, I wasn't dying, like, bonking. It, it was obviously the lack of hydration to my, to my hamstrings or muscles that, so it was annoying that when I crossed the line, I was almost like to myself, if I don't cross the line, I feel like I'm going to collapse. Like, I'm raging. Uh, the worst one was probably uh, in the States. I went, I ran up some 8,000 footer in California the day after a 10K, and it was about 25 degrees, and uh, proper bonked, and I had to, my coach had to come and pick me up. 
had to use because he didn't get any signals. I had to ask like, I had to waddle down to like a leisure center as I was like feeling like I was going to faint and cramping, and ask someone to if I could use their phone to phone my coach. <laughs> and he had to come pick me up, and he was absolutely furious. Um, but yeah, that's probably the worst one. I don't, I don't seem to bonk that bad on. Do you know what about biking? I seem to bonk on the bike a lot, but again, that's probably because I'm bad at eating. Like I don't eat. So I've had a couple of bad bonks on the bike, but nothing horrendous running wise. Have you ever DNF'd a race? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I think not in a while, to be fair. Um, I get I quite get I get bad like stitches. Again, that's probably why I don't like I try and avoid drinking when I'm running. I always seem to get a bad stitch. Don't know if it's a breathing issue. Kind of we've looked into it, but or it's like I've been tight. Uh, so I've, I've dropped out from from having uh, stitched before, but I can't remember the last race I've dropped out. Be a while. Yeah, not for a while, but yeah, definitely have. Uh, go back to the Balmoral weekend. Yeah, you did five k, ten k, and then the next day you did the fifteen mile, and was it course record on on each of them? No, no, just a just course record on the five k, and I think I just missed the ten k one. And then the fifty miler, I was, I was, I was just happy to plod around. Yeah. And, and then there was one, at least one other race that weekend. There was a duathlon. You said you did cycling, and I know that Sam, who won the cycling race, said he was glad that you left. Yeah, I've seen, seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I think you would have been safe, like you know my uh, my technical ability on the bike. I've seen the seen the course. I think he would have been okay. <laughs> is there and just to wrap it up, is there anything that you've regretted doing running any like you said you, you climbed a mountain the day after the ten K, that sort of thing? Um Or is it just a live and learn? Yeah, I think you never know until until you you do do something stupid. Um like even me getting my sacral stress fracture, like I was probably was doing some stupid. I was doing stupid sessions on the track, but like I thought I was, I thought I was flying. So I thought oh, this is a perfect sort of training. I'm running really well off it, but it was probably stupid because it was way too much. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to to know. I probably I wish like like I I treated the marathon maybe maybe a wee bit more respect because that London kind of kind of haunts me and they always say like if you proper mess up your first marathon like you you might be put off it for the rest of your career and it kind of has put me off it and it's kind of my hamstrings are still coming to terms like I've still got tendonitis in, in both of them so uh yeah that was that's probably a regret not not taking that as serious as I as I as I, I should have but uh, uh, yeah. ho- hopefully it doesn't put you off and you use it as a learning experience and yeah, you, you know that you've done something wrong. Next time, you came away with what was it two, two twenty two. Yeah, around two twenty two or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a shame that you only managed <laughs> that time. So, uh, yeah, you'll live and learn. If you if you want to do it again, you'll do it again, and you'll learn from your mistakes the last time. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to wrap it up there and. Thank you for everybody for watching and thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much.
Thank you.